the Hawks just split their West Coast road trip and now they're ready to build on that performance. Well, we just got to keep building on it. Uh, we can't take no steps back. Uh, we got to learn from what we see on film uh, and, and not make those same mistakes. And just get ready for Milwaukee. Welcome to the Hawks Report, a podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Lauren Williams, the beat writer here at the AJC that covers the Hawks. And with this podcast, we're here to make sure we're giving you all the stories beyond the score. Now, today we've got a really good show for you guys. We'll hear from Nate McMillan. You just heard from DeAndre Hunter, and we'll continue to hear from him. And we'll also hear from Trey Young, who just finished fifth in the first round of voting in the fan vote for this year's All-Star Game. But before we get into all of that, this is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Hawks Report. Daniel, Daniel Salerson, my my trusty, handy, dandy producer here at the Hawks Report. Uh, It's been a couple of weeks since we've done this, so... We're going to kick things off with the mailbag. Yes, that music that you hear means the mailbag is back. We're happy to have it back. I kind of have a question for you to start off. Is mm-hmm. Did you find your Hollywood star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame while you were there in L.A.? Because <laughs> you were there for a long time. I know how famous yes. you are. I just wanted to make sure you were able to locate your star. <laughs> you know, it was a it was kind of a, a trip to find it. But I think I think they're, they're still holding out a little bit. I still got some time to work up to it maybe in a couple of years they'll give me the the call to say that my star is going to be put on the hollywood walk of fame it should already be on there i'm already on the case so i'll <laughs> make sure to call whoever i need to call to make that happen but i'm glad you are back here on the east coast and hopefully there'll be some success for this team moving forward but let's get to the mailbag and appreciate all of your tweets again if you want to tweet lauren you can at williams lauren l whether it's for the mailbag or questions that we can use for a future episode Make sure you do that. We'll start with Lemon Pepper Wet Beats, who is a friend of the program. Always appreciate tweets from him. The last few years had some rough seasons, but somehow I felt like the future was bright. Now it feels like we are a middling team like the Kings and Wolves with no hope. Does this ring true, or is it that expectations were just too high to start this year? I think it's a little bit of both, to be honest, because if you think about it, that Eastern Conference Finals run a couple of years ago kind of surprised all of us. We weren't expecting that team to go so far into the playoffs, and the fact that they did just kind of sped up everything that the Hawks probably had planned as far as their rebuilding. And then I think the second thing to add to that, why it's a mixture of both, is that now there's been 
a little bit of a regime change with with Travis stepping back. And now we haven't really heard what Landry feels is that's, you know, the new president of basketball operations, what his vision is for this roster and, and where they expect it to go. So, you know, I think because we don't really have a specific idea of what his game plan is, we're just seeing kind of him build off of what Travis Schlenk has started. I think that's why we're kind of in this position where it feels like they're a middling team, especially because they didn't make any moves to the roster last season, you know, to try and put in all the stop gaps, I guess you would call them, and address all of the issues that they needed to, to get past an Eastern Conference Finals appearance. And so I think because, you know, they, we went from seeing a very high high to then seeing a very low low, it does feel like they're a middling team. And I agree, expectations were high coming in this year, especially because they added in DeJounte Murray. And this team just has not performed to those expectations. And so I think it's fair to say that we've all taken a guy like Clint Capella for granted. And we're going to address this a little bit later in the show. But, you know, his absence these last 10, 11 games has really shown how important he is and how much this team really needs him. And so I think that's kind of one of the reasons that we're not seeing this team meet the expectations just because they have never had, or they've only had their their full starting five for one game, if that. So it's it's just hard to gauge what to expect from this team. I completely agree. I think we'll learn more once this team does get Clint Capella back and then maybe see what they do at the deadline as well, mm-hmm. which is now a month away and speaking of the deadline at matt underscore atl 28 what's the chance the hawks add at least one position of need at the deadline backup point Mm -hmm. guard backup wing or maybe Mm -hmm. a backup big yeah if i'm being honest and i were in the front office i would probably go out and get another big uh just because it just feels like this team and again seeing what this team looks like without Capella, you really need that extra size. Um, again, we're going to address this a little bit more in the show later. And, and it, you know, it's finally good to hear uh, Nate McMillan and even Trey and, and Trey Young and, and DeAndre Hunter kind of address this, that they are undersized. And with the way that this league's uh, front courts are kind of constructed, you can't really expect small ball to work for for a full 48 minutes. And so I really do think that they need size, especially to compete on the glass. And, you know, again, we'll address this later, but we've seen that it's hard for them to compete on the glass without Clint in the picture. And so, you know, having that extra, that extra size to, you know, if Clint is out, back up Onyeka, or if Onyeka's out, back up Clint, whichever it is, you know, they have that insurance there just because Frank Kaminsky, uh, just hasn't cracked the rotation. And, and even when he has played, it's just been very short stints, as we saw on Sunday night against the Clippers. So uh, ideally, you'd love to see them get a backup big. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. We'll see what they do here uh, a month ahead of the trade deadline. Last one, at Suggs Writer. How big was splitting the West Coast road trip? I mean, it includes really strong performances against the Kings and Clippers, two potential playoff teams. Um, I think we'll talk about it obviously a little later, but in my opinion, two and two on the West coast, I consider that a success. It seemed Mm -hmm. very disappointing during some of those games, especially 
It could have been three and one with a Golden State mm-hmm. Warriors win uh, at the buzzer by Kayvon Looney, and then the Lakers won. You just started off so poorly that you really couldn't mm-hmm. bounce back. So, what did you think? Would you consider this road trip a success? I would. I feel like we're starting to see some of that chemistry that has eluded this team a little bit in the the first third or so of the season kind of start to click into place. And again, when Clint comes back, hopefully that doesn't put too much of a a jolt in that chemistry and they're able to continue building on that. You know, if they'd gone one in three, like, (laughs) um, you know, I kind of expected them to, I expected them to actually win that Lakers game and then, you know, lose the Golden State Kings and Clippers games. But two and two, um, that's kind of where Brad Roland, who we had on the show last week, kind of anticipated them being. I think it's huge, especially for morale. Uh, This team has had a lot of losses this season. Again, we just talked about them not meeting the expectations that they had for themselves, that we had for them to start this season. They're, what, 19 and and 21. Um, And so for a team that has playoff run aspirations, that's not where you want to be, especially since they started off the season being fourth in the Eastern Conference and they've now slid all the way down to 10th. So being able to to split this road trip, you know, hopefully create some good habits because despite some of the starts to some of those games, we saw them be competitive. And so if they can sustain that competitiveness for a full 48 minutes, well, that's something positive that we can see them building on throughout the rest of the year that will hopefully lead to some more uh, wins in the win column. Yeah, absolutely. They need to get to that top six, I would think, mm-hmm. in order for this to be somewhat a success. Again, there, mm-hmm. it depends on how, you know, where they finish here uh, by the end of the season. Still a long way to go, but obviously mm-hmm. got to get out of that play in, especially after mm-hmm. playing in it last year. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, big thanks to everyone that submitted questions. We'll do it again next Monday. It'll be Mm -hmm. a special edition with an MLK Day edition. Um, We'll be recording after the game since Mm -hmm. it's an afternoon game and be able to post it for you on Tuesday morning. But of course, follow Lauren on Twitter at WilliamsLaurenL, and I'll send it back to you. Awesome. So we're going to take a quick break before we get into the nitty gritty of this show, what you guys are all excited to listen for, uh, our thoughts on that West Coast trip, as well as a look ahead to the games coming up this week, the Bucks, the Pacers, and the Raptors, who this team has already faced. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I just want to take this time to thank everyone who subscribes to the AJC and AJC.com. You know, it's what makes all of this possible. And if you aren't a subscriber, that's okay. 
you can go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. And your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. So you always know what's really going on. All right. So the West Coast trip, as we've already kind of touched on, they've split it going two and two with wins over the Sacramento Kings and the Los Angeles Clippers, and then losses to the Warriors in double overtime at the buzzer as well as the Los Angeles Lakers. So I think one of the things that's very positive from this trip, if we're going to start with the good, is that they were competitive in pretty much every game except for the start of that Lakers game and maybe the start of the Warriors game. But the fact that they were able to fight back in that Warriors game, get it to double overtime to a team that had Clay Thompson, who made what, like 10 threes that night? yeah. It's just amazing. And Jordan Poole, he was also playing really, really well. But I think a theme that we could see throughout the the night or throughout the games um, on that West Coast road trip is just how much they were missing Clint. A lot of those games came down to possessions where they were allowing multiple offensive rebounds and teams able to get those second chance points. And that's just kind of, I don't know how to put it. It just sucks the energy out. Uh, you're fighting for those boards, fighting, 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 and then they they grab the rebound, kick it out to one of their guys on the perimeter who knocks down a three. And so, you know, throughout this trip, and we, you know, we asked um, Nate McMillan and and DeAndre and even Trey, like, how do you guys address this? How do you guys figure out how to avoid giving up those offensive rebounds? And and Nate said, you know, they just need to get their big body back in Clint Capella. And so Clint has missed, what what is it, 10 of the last 11 games or 11 of the last 12. And his presence has just been missed just everywhere, inside the paint, on the glass. And, you know, Onyeka Okongu, for, for all his fight, he's just undersized going up against some of those bigger starting uh, centers. And so, and even John, even as much as they hustle on the glass, you know, he's he's also small. Um, going up against some of those starting fives. And so that's one of the reasons why I said, you know, in our mailbag segment, it would be great if they can get another big body uh, in that mix who in 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 turn in, in, in situations where injuries happen, because as much as you don't want them to happen, it's just a natural thing that's going to happen in the NBA. And you want to have that insurance that you'll have uh, a more than capable big body who can compete on the glass. And so, you know, here's Nate kind of talking about the importance of them getting Clint Capella back into the rotation. We need to get our big guy back. You know, uh, we've been getting pounded on the boards. Uh, We're small uh, when we have uh, Oyeka and John in there. And, uh, you know, we need for all of our guys to get in and help uh, rebound uh, the ball and you know tonight uh, we got a break uh, at the end we made the plays we got the rebounds when we needed to uh, you know those last couple possessions so for context you know the Hawks gave up double figure offensive rebounds in three of those four games on that west coast trip 23 to the Golden State Warriors 10 to the Kings and then 21 to the Clippers on Sunday night so 
if we're looking at it too from the perspective of those second chance points, that's just a lot of a lot of second chance opportunities that this team has given up. And so over those last three game or last four games, 21 uh, second chance points to the Clippers, 13 second chance points to the Lakers, even though they only gave up seven offensive rebounds to the Lakers, they just, the Lakers just made them pay for it. And then 20 second chance points to the Warriors. And so if you're a team that, especially in the case of this team that often gets started slow, in the first quarter or in the first half in general, you just can't be giving away opportunities for your opponents to to really beat you. And so it's just, I guess it's it's defeating, it's deflating. That's the word I was looking for. It's deflating when, uh, you know, they compete so hard, especially in that Warriors game where they competed so hard to come back from, I think at one point, a 21-point deficit or 23-point deficit, get the game into double overtime, and then they're beaten at the buzzer because they can't get, they can't stop the guy on the glass. And um, I think this is also the second time this season that they've been beaten at the buzzer on a putback. The first time coming against the Chicago Bulls when Ayo Desunmo had a putback at the at the buzzer. So I I just think that this team, you know, not only has to be better at rebounding as a group in Clint Capella's absence, but they also just need to be better at rebounding as a group when he does come back, just because as much as Clint does, he's also limited because if he's out on the perimeter because Nate McMillan trusts him to, you know, inch out and guard some of those guys who are trying to knock those shots down, the paint is completely open. And so he's going to need his teammates to kind of back him up on the glass. And so here's DeAndre Hunter kind of talking about them needing to have a gang rebounding mentality um, now, but also, you know, when Clint, it applies when Clint Capella returns to the rotation. It's a team effort. Um, we got to help, you know, oh, he's a little undersized, especially with Zubash tonight. Um, but it's a team effort. We all got to come in to help. So, yeah, Daniel, I mean, watching those four games on the West Coast, just what what would you say was the factor that often led to not not the slow start so much as um, them losing those games at the buzzer. A couple of things. The rebounding, obviously, it was the biggest one. And if you look at the final play of the Warriors game with Kayvon Looney, there were some guys that were slow to get back, number one. And number two, they were slow to find a guy to block or box out, I should say. And so Collins has a tough task of contesting the shot. And then there was so I believe it was Lamb that was also going up for the second chance opportunity, and no one was there to box him out. So John Collins was kind of stuck trying to get both of those guys, and that's where Kayvon Looney comes in and is able to get the putback at the buzzer. So I completely agree with DeAndre and what you said about it being a team effort, because that means some of the guards have to come in and help box out, whether that's part of their game plan or not. When you're lacking that size, it's all hands on deck. When it comes to grabbing rebounds, and I think that's what this team was lacking in those games. And so the tough thing that you have to battle, especially with some of these teams that play fast, is if you bring all five guys in to rebound, then as far as fast break points, that's where you lose the advantage because there's leak outs and then they're able to run the break. And so I think you have to find the combination of the guards maybe staying back and contesting a, a fast break, and then maybe the forwards and the center 
stay in there and try to get the rebound. But again, easier said than done from our perspective, but I feel like that was kind of one of the biggest issues to me. The second thing that I noticed in the losses, I don't want to just pick on the losses because the fact that they got the wins against the Clippers and the Kings were impressive, is when it came down to needing big shots, the hero ball, I think, came out just a little bit too much. Quick shots in the shot clock without moving the ball, which led to rebounds and then also just giving the the other team the opportunity to get to more points. So I feel like in times where they needed key possessions to score the most, they would quickly jack up a shot, a contested mid-range or three-pointer that probably they could have worked around and found a better shot. So I think those are the two keys to maybe those two losses. And again, that's the tendency when you're down so much, especially in that Laker game, that you want to get as many points back as you can to try to dig yourself out of a hole, which they did. Just a too little too late when you're down 20, 25 points um, in a game like that against Los Angeles. And so I think those are the two big things that maybe led to the two losses. But again, I thought this team played really well. That Sacramento game, I think, was big. Um, that's a very talented team that's playing some really good basketball at home. Demonis Sabonis has been out of his mind. De'Aaron Fox has been playing really well. And so the fact that you were able to, you know, hang in there with those two and then the Clippers, they were missing Paul George, but still mm-hmm. when you have a bigger guy Kawhi. like Zubots, yeah, Kawhi played really well. And again, you're a putback at the buzzer away from going three and one. So, mm-hmm. you know, the Los Angeles Lakers one was a tough pill to swallow just based on the fact that they were without Anthony Davis. It should have been an opportunity, especially how you lost um, last week against them at mm-hmm. home that maybe you should split with them just because. Um, They are playing better, but still a team that is uh, shorthanded. But overall, it just seemed like the most roller coaster of a West Coast trip you can imagine (laughs) because of all the highs and lows and emotion. So you're very thankful and lucky that this team is coming back two and two. Could have been 0 and 4, but it could have been 3 and 1 and 4 and 0, which is, I guess, leaves me more positive than negative heading into Wednesday. The fact that you get two days, you get today to Mm -hmm. recover, travel back, practice tomorrow. And, and try to finish off. I think you finished the season series with the Bucks, if I'm not mistaken, which is yes. really rare that it happened on January 11th, where you'll be done with the team. But we'll see what this team can do. Uh, and again, you mentioned the back-to-backs. That's where it's going to be important for them to maybe take the first game of it. Or again, mm-hmm. just these are Eastern Conference teams that you could be facing. Pacers and Raptors are going to be in that window of teams that you're going to be battling for for seeding. So if they get Clint back this week, that'd be awesome. And Mm -hmm. I want to see this team fully healthy before we can make a full assessment on what they need at the deadline, which is creeping up before we know it. Exactly. And and the thing is, is that just going back to some of those games, you you know, mentioning kind of that hero ball coming in a little bit, them jacking up shots to try and carve into leads or just get some points on the board. A lot of that just led into some of those transition fast break points that really, really hurt them. And so if they can continue to in some ways, have some self-awareness of what might work for them in certain quarters. And obviously not every quarter is going to be the same, but if moving the ball really well, and this kind of is like one of the things that hurt them on Sunday night against the Clippers, they were moving the ball so well in that second quarter. There were so many people who were able to get open, move off the ball, cut into the paint and and knock shots down when you know they're getting the the Clippers kind of how do I put this, uh, not looking or kind of sleeping or, or whatever it is, just taking advantage of the Clippers, like defense being a little bit on the slower end, you know, that's the thing that you want to see them do consistently. And then to see them come back in the third quarter and just 
lay an egg, um, you just worry like what why would you move away from what worked for you guys so well, which is getting everybody involved to now having to rely on just one person and and a credit to Trey for being able to help shuttle them through that fourth quarter when things had slowed, you know, nobody else could get open. But still, it's, you know, he was doing a good job in that second quarter when he came back from his stint on the bench of getting John open, getting DeAndre open. And they were all just so locked in that you just kind of wonder, well, what happens in the third quarter? Like, where where does that focus go? And um, at some point, they do have to figure out how to be better at adjusting on the fly because... Uh, and I think that kind of goes into Nick McMillan's reasoning for maybe holding on to some of those timeouts a little bit longer is that he's trying to give his guys the opportunity to adapt on the court. But at some point, you know, he's going to have to use those timeouts. But the point is, it's just, you know, you got to help out, help out everybody in this situation and and figure out what it is that's not working and get somebody else open, get get some movement going, move the ball side to side. Uh, I think that's one of the issues with this team is that sometimes the ball will kind of get clogged on one side of the court and then somebody will try and drive in and then kick out, but then the defense is already ready for, for that set. So I would love to see a lot more ball movement as the season continues because we're starting to see the positives of that, of everybody getting involved. I think in... You know, the in that whole West Coast stretch, four of the five starters would end in double figures, 15 or more points. Um, I think there might have been just like one game where that didn't happen. It might have been the Lakers game where they were all under 20. But I mean, the fact, again, they're, if you're moving the ball and all of your starters or the majority of your starters are in double figures, that's kind of the things that you want to see because you're seeing some really good and balanced basketball. And that's the formula for them winning. So we don't want to get too caught up in um, talking about this West Coast trip, but I do have to acknowledge that Trey recognizes that some of these teams, Trey Young, you know, recognizes that some of these teams were taking advantage of the fact that they didn't have Clint Capella and his size. And here's what he had to say about how they kind of adjust or acknowledge that they're missing their, the presence of Clint. A lot of teams are taking advantage of, of us not having Clint and getting into the lane and getting layups and um, just attacking the glass. Even on shots, they're just going and attacking, getting offensive rebounds. So um, they're de- teams are definitely exposing us as far as not having a big and as far as CC in there. John is battling and O are battling, but, I mean, O can't do it full 48. And John is, I mean, really a four playing in a five position with CC out. So um, that is probably one of the main reasons why it's, it's tough for us rebounding and getting – and teams are attacking us to the paint for that reason. So as you said yourself, you know, hopefully we get to see Clint return to the rotation sometime this week, especially going up against Brooke Lopez and, and Giannis and Antetokounmpo. And we know that Onyeka has a, Onyeka Okongu has a really good history of going up against Giannis Antetokounmpo. But I mean, when you factor in Brooke Lopez, that's just a lot for him to handle. And, and it's also a lot of pressure to put on John, who's also a lot smaller than both of those guys. Not to mention this team 
has Drew Holiday in the rotation. And, you know, they didn't get to see, the Hawks didn't get to see Drew in two of their previous three matchups. So that I think that did play a little bit of a factor in them picking up some of those wins. But that's not to take away from how well they played against that Bucks team, which is a very deep team. But I think they're going to need all hands on deck on Wednesday night when they face the Bucks, And then they're going to need Clint back, especially going up against the length and size of the Raptors on Saturday night. And then also to help kind of slow down the Pacers. I mean, they really beat the Hawks up in transition the last time they faced them. What was that, last week or a couple weeks ago? So, uh, man, they, they really need Clint back. <laughs> yeah, I mean... But, the pay, they put the pace in pacers. I mean, that's how yeah. quickly they were getting out and taking advantage mm-hmm. of that. But I agree. I think it's interesting about Wednesday is Brooke is not really as much of a rebounder just because of his perimeter play. So that's, mm-hmm. I think, the good thing about it. But you need more guys, multiple guys on Giannis. And mm-hmm. then also when Bobby Portis comes in, he's just a guy that can crash the glass. Yes. And he's just that kind of junkyard dog that kind of mm-hmm. goes in there and does the dirty work and also can score, too, from the outside and from the inside. So... I think those are the two you really have to worry about. And it'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. what, who Nate, I think I mentioned this last time, who Nate puts on Brooke Lopez mm-hmm. because you might can afford to put a smaller guy on him offensively, mm-hmm. uh, especially because he'll kind of, you know, stay around the perimeter and you really can at least get the rebounding advantage with a bigger guy down low to focus on Giannis. So mm-hmm. um, the one thing you mentioned that, you know, and Trey mentioned with John Collins, he's more of a four. That's where you talk mm-hmm. about a backup big coming in play. Mm-hmm. That way, if this happens again with Clint, that John can still stick with the natural four position and you mm-hmm. have a bigger guy at the five. And I think John's more comfortable playing that as we saw. So those are the kind of things that caught my uh, attention when, listening to Trey and DeAndre and Nate talk about the disadvantages of not having Clint on there. Agree. So I think, I don't know. I, I also think too, the, that we are, we're seeing, and it was very confusing for this team playing the Raptors early, earlier in their season when they lost by what, like 29, I believe it was, or 30 or something like that. So they'll, I think they'll need, again, they'll need that size to try and compete with that length because even though, the Raptors aren't necessarily a bulky team. They're still very big in terms of uh, that size and length. And uh, somebody at that Raptors game in Toronto back in November put it best that a lot of these officials, they just, they're not sure how to officiate some of these games with like the side, the, like, the wingspan that some of these guys have. So it'll, it'll be an interesting week for this Hawks team, especially if they don't have Clint Capella back. Calf strains are are weird. I mean, strains in general are just very weird because it's not like a sprain where you can kind of put a timeline because sprain usually happens to what, like a joint or a ligament or something like that. And, you you know, there's that elasticity that can like help it rebound back and everything like that. I'm not a doctor, so please don't quote me on any of that terminology that's just i guess my understanding of how sprains work so but um in terms of the calf strain what i've been told it's kind of like a soft tissue issue (laughs) and um it's just hard to gauge how healthy it is or how strong it is but i think the good thing is that while we were out in la clint was out doing some conditioning work um at practices 
and he was getting some extra work in at the end of shoot arounds and everything like that. So uh, it seems like he could be closer if he's doing conditioning work. But again, it's just if they ruled him out of that Clippers game, that to me tells me that, you know, he's he's not quite ready yet. And it's a good thing that they'll have these couple of days of rest before they face the Bucks. So, you know, tomorrow's practice will be a good indicator or sense of, you know, if he he might be back. But again, it's a good thing that the Hawks are mostly healthy and just one person is is missing on on that um out of that rotation i mean a key person but it's still just one person and so uh, let me ask you this before yeah. uh we wrap up and i mean interrupt you but you talk no. about uh clint on at you know seeing him at practice and mm-hmm. uh while you're on the west coast what was the vibe like because there were so many yeah. emotions about that west coast trip just from the ups and the downs of the the way you lost some of those games against golden state mm-hmm. in la how those wins went and of course there's the continue reports and stuff about whether Mm -hmm. it's trey whether it's nate whether it's both what was the vibe out there like just going through Mm -hmm. that knowing that you know it was kind of that roller coaster road trip yeah i don't know if it's just because they were in sunny california but it it was actually quite positive obviously you know they don't want to lose but when they came in for a lot of their their post-game media availabilities they were just i would say neutral at worst (laughs) i'm not saying they came in joking and like ready to chop it up or anything like that but they weren't uh you know down they weren't uh how do i put it sulky you know they weren't i wouldn't even say they were frustrated i would just say that they know what they need to address and so you know, these upcoming practices and shoot arounds are the time that they're they're going to address that. And I will say uh, the practice before the Clippers game that would have been on Saturday. It was such a light atmosphere when we when I was able to go inside, because uh, for those of you who don't know, media were usually relegated to the final 15 minutes of practice. We don't get to watch the entire thing. And so when I walked in to one observe and and two talk to uh coach mcmillan and and all those guys that were there it was just a very jokey light positive atmosphere um you know we saw i saw trey and nate uh joking around together and and um having a conversation obviously i didn't stand close to them so that i heard what they were talking about but it by all observations was a very positive interaction between the two of them. And, and I think that, you know, like any family and Nate said it best in that pregame availability after the report about the incident between he and Trey, uh, what was that two months ago, last month, it feels like forever ago. They all blend Um, together at this point. They do. You know, he said it best. It's it's like any family. You have disagreements and arguments, but it's how you, you move forward and, and build on them. And I, I do think it seems there's, you know, respect there between everybody on this team and, and Nate. And um, Trey actually posted his Instagram story on Sunday night to uh, recognize and celebrate Nate McMillan having 750 career regular season wins. And so... That's a to me that's a good sign that that camaraderie and respect is there in that locker room and that you know 
they're building toward being on the same page. And does that mean that I think that, you know, Nate might be back next season if they have a really bad performance in the playoffs? No, but it, I don't necessarily think that it's a, a toxic environment in, in the locker room based on what I was able to observe at that practice on Saturday. Um, I mean, John Collins, Onika Okongu, AJ, and um, AJ Griffin and DeAndre were just like chucking up half court shots at uh, at the end there before they were getting ready to go on the bus with some of the Hawks staffers and everything like that. So I will say Onyeka hit too. So that might bode well for that jumper that he's promised us. Um, and we're okay. seeing kind of some of it in some of those mid-range shots that he's been hitting. Um, I can't wait till we see him, you know, hit one from three. But yeah, it, it feels like even though, you know, the losses haven't been ideal, uh, it doesn't seem like it has completely trickled into a, a really bad atmosphere in the locker room. Yeah, I, th- I feel like the last thing this team wants to do is blow it up or get rid of a coach middle of the season. Because when you go after a guy like DeJounte Murray, you're coming to win now. You're going to build off of what you did a couple of years ago. You're trying to get back to the playoffs and avoid the play-in like you did last year. So whether there's issues or not, and again, whether Nate remains with the team after this year is a whole different story. But as far as during the season, unless they completely collapse and then it's like, okay, now we're just going to do this now and and Prunty can be the interim for the remainder part of the year. But if they get on a roll, get Clint back, and then also get some pieces at the deadline, I I feel like you, you just never know what the direction this team can take. So I feel like, I feel like and DeJounte's come out and said, defended coach about you know some of the things they've done it's like this is not on coach this is this is on me whether it's on us and I feel like Trey's taken some of that responsibility too you've heard in, in post-game press conferences so you do like to hear that kind of stuff and, and realize going two and two again if, if things were going that bad you could have easily folded in some of these games that you know but I think this team has too much pride I think they realize how much talent they have and that they shouldn't be in this position so not the start that they want but as Wednesday is going to be game 41, you're going to the halfway point now is definitely not, they're definitely underachieving so far, but now maybe you get a healthy Clint back and get on a little bit of a roll. I think everything changes as far as your outlook on this team. It's just kind of confusing right now. It's, you know, if you had to put your Facebook status for a relationship, it's complicated. <laughs> it's complicated. It's complicated. <laughs> That's what we put right now for the Hawks. And I will say that, you know, being where they are now and then having a really good run in the second half of the season isn't impossible. We've seen it done before, most recently with the Boston Celtics going all the way to the NBA Finals. Do I see the Hawks going to the Finals? Not necessarily, but I, I do think we can see some a lot more competitive basketball out of them and uh, a lot more positive <laughs> moves going forward um you know if they continue to find the consistency that they need in these games yeah it's weird when you're looking at the west and the east like the west right mm-hmm. now only has five teams over 500 mm-hmm. out of their 15 which is really odd to think about so there's some top heaviness but it also includes teams like golden state who's right at 500 mm-hmm. who i don't think really care about the regular season as long as everyone's healthy for the postseason they're okay mm-hmm. you have the clippers who I think are just waiting out health and making sure that their main guys, including John Wall, too, are ready to go. Mm-hmm. And so in the East, it's 
you know, it's, it's top heavy a little bit, but it's the more parodies. There's, there's, yeah, there's so bit. many teams yeah. that are kind of crumpled. They're like one or two games away from being mm-hmm. the Hawks are even from being 10 all the way to six or teams dropping from five to eight. Like there is still a little bit margin of error. Yeah. Whereas in the, e- the West, you start getting below 500 right now. You're you're losing a lot. It's of ground. pretty much a Dan. Yeah, it's a done deal, essentially. Yeah. So, again, it takes a four or five game winning streak and everyone changing their tune and i know we you know mm-hmm. us you know we're trying not to change our tune every time there's the roller coaster <laughs> ride or a losing streak or a winning streak but at the same time yeah. it's again it's complicated it's hard to really figure out what's been going on with this team and, and maybe you know it, it just takes a a healthy clink appella and what they do with the deadline to be like mm-hmm. oh okay now we kind of know what this team is and what the expectations are moving forward for sure the hawks are one and a half games back from eighth, uh, three games back from seventh. So that means they're about what three and a half games back from the top six. And I'm assuming Indiana and Toronto are right in that that mix there. I know Indiana's in that play in. Indiana is sixth right now. Okay. Toronto is twelfth. They're tied with the Wizards, um, and they're two games behind the Hawks. Right. So even you now you have to start worrying about teams behind the Hawks. If mm-hmm. they get if they get on a losing streak as far as dropping even out of 10th, which mm-hmm. you definitely don't want to do. No, not at all. So, yeah, it's the East is an interesting makeup. Um, January is a very important month for the Hawks. They really need to to kind of strike now um, and get on a really good rhythm in order to kind of have the success that they want to have once the regular season is done. So. Uh, they still they still believe that they're in the race and they state that they most certainly are. But I think they'll tell you that where they are right now is kind of where they deserve to be after the up and downs of this season. And so uh, we'll see them again on Wednesday when they face the Bucks. And until then, I'm Lauren Williams, joined by Daniel Salerson. And this is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.